Hi everybody, I'm Bill Whittle here with uh, my friend and associate Alfonso Rachel, and this is the Virtue Signal where we talk about uh, the stuff behind politics, and sometimes we talk about the stuff we just talked about, and uh, that's kind of what I want to do uh, with this episode. Uh, I may look a little better to you than I did uh, last week, especially during that episode we called uh, Trapped. Uh, and so, uh, Zoe, this week I'd like to talk about um, not just so much the reaction to that episode, but but really the whole dynamic, because... Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't look at the comments on that. I just didn't have the emotional juice to do it. And uh, within two days of af of posting that episode, where I was having a real, real, real bad day, my wife read me uh, the comments on YouTube and, and the membership blog and so on. And I, I could, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was so rejuvenating. It was so unbelievable. It was so kind of all of you who, who watched this show. The, the comments were so unbelievably sincere and, and generous and, and, and noble. And, and to say they were encouraging is to understate the case they were purifying. I just felt all of this crud just burn off me. You ever watch a laser clean like grease or rust off of something? If you, if, maybe I'll see if I can find a clip and just throw it on over. I'm sleeping. It's gone. So it did me an enormous amount of good. And I wanted to start this episode by thanking all of the people that wrote me and, and wrote those, those kind words. And I want to thank you especially for being such a, uh, uh, just a pillar, you know, just a rock of, of, uns of certainty. Now, I know that, that that's, uh, that's not how you feel all the time. But, you know, there was, a, uh, there was a line I never forgot. It was in a book called The Bridge Across Forever. It was a giant love story between this guy who was a big aviation writer and this actress that he married. And uh, they went through some really rough times, and they had to give up this house that they really loved. And as they were walking away from, the, from this thing and just, you know, completely devastated... He said something, he said, uh, we, we have this agreement, my wife and I, and that is that we're never both off duty at the same time. And I thought, man, that's just tremendous. So before I get into this whole business about like the, the power of getting help and, and helping people, I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to get off your shoulders uh, uh, today now that I'm feeling so much better. I feel like I owe you one. Hey, man, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a blessing to me to know that, uh, you know, you, you, you're feeling tip top again, man. Uh, so I can dig that. And, and I just want to say, hey, speaking of, of feeling tip top and, and, um, and uh, just feeling better, this was my, uh, my wife and I's anniversary week. Congratulations. And, uh, thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, rather than doing like the traditional, you know, like anniversary cake or anything like that, uh, you know, being us, uh, I guess, uh, off the wall kind of people that we are, we just went to Randy's, man. We, went, we made our anniversary cake out of a bunch of Randy's donuts and went buck wild, man. And we got us enough of those to like last throughout the week. And the thing is, because <laughs> we don't live Yeah, the all donut diet. I'm there, man. <laughs> right. I grew up in the South with Krispy Kreme. It's, you just eat those forever. Oh my goodness, man. But see, here's the thing though. We try to maintain, you know, that kind of gluten-free, low carb. You know, I got to, man, because, you know, trying to look good for camera, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and when you, when you kind of try to maintain that diet and you do a splurge on Randy's, I got a lot of sugar and gluten running through me right now. So forgive me, y'all, if I feel a little weird. <laughs> that being said, um, you know, trying to maintain this, uh, speaking of maintaining, 
Um, and and the diet of of the word from the book that I read, which with the Lord, which the word says, hey man, you if you trust me, you will find that my law will be like honey in your mouth. I got enough, I got enough sweetness from the word, ain't got a sugar sugar-coated. It is what it is. And these are the kind of thing, you know, kinds of things that help me to maintain, man, because these this stuff hits us. You know, it hits us. And 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 Man, even the, the the proof of the feedback that you're getting. Look at the the and and thank you guys. Look at the positive response that we get. People, you it know, was unbelievable. You know, the, it, it just made me cry. Right. What a blessing it is. And and see, that's part of the heartache that we kind of go through because, despite such positive response, you would think that there would be a lot more views. It's this is the stuff that people are looking for. They're looking for people yeah. who actually not just give you something that they can relate to. Oh, I feel the same way and stuff like that, where we just kind of like have a, a community of people in misery loving company. It's like, no, we're actually giving a practical perspective and, and, and a something to point to to say, hey man, you might want to consider this as, as, as a focus of the light at the end of this tunnel that, that keeps us going, that drives us, that keeps, you know, keeps us moving. And I think that's something that that we offer. And there's powers that be that don't want that kind of stuff yeah, out you there. Bet. Yeah. Well, we talked a bit about the remnant on that show, the idea that there's a small kernel of of people that carry this flame throughout the darkest times. Anybody can be um a cheerful patriot when everything's going well. Obviously it's you know, it's once you get into the to get into the trenches when it's it's really tough. So after after what I saw and read from you wonderful people, I I don't care how many people watch the show. Uh, I'd like to see more people watch it, but I don't really care about the numbers anymore because because I realize the quality of the people. And that's kind of where I wanted to go today. Um, everybody who who's on YouTube has their own audience and they're attracted to whatever, for whatever reasons. The By far the greatest uh, joy in this job and the biggest honor for me personally, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's not the number of people that follow us, it's the quality of the people that follow us. Just the sheer nobility of them is just an incredible, it's, it's, I'll never ever get over it and I never want to. But here's what I thought we might do with, with this show today because I think it's very important. Uh, a number of people who wrote said it was very brave of you to be that whiny little bitch that you <laughs> that you were you know and uh and i suppose there may be some truth to that but what i want to do today is i want to talk to people who are who are feeling low one of the things i got a number of comments on were people who wrote to me and said you bill you really saved me or you and zoe cheered me up he kept me going during this whole time so the dynamic i wanted to talk about today is given the quality of the people that that we hang out with and because so many of us uh, conservatives are are proud people in the in the right sense of the word, you know, not not arrogant, just just raised to believe that you know that you don't go around with your hat in your hand asking for help, and and that and that that part of uh, of being an adult is is just kind of you know powering through it and so on. I wanted to talk to uh, anybody out there today. I want to talk to all of you, obviously, but I want to talk to anybody out there today who may be in the kind of position I was in last week and, and the kind of position I may be in again next week. Uh, the, the ability to ask for help is a very, very difficult thing for some people, and I'm one of them. And if you're one of those people, I want to spend the next 15, 20 minutes or so with my friend 
trying to convince you why you should get over that uh, reluctance. And I consider that reluctance to be kind of a noble thing. I really do. I, I have such admiration for people who just soldier on. But when you're as culturally outnumbered as we are today, and when everything that is coming at us is designed to weaken us psychologically, weaken us spiritually, weaken us emotionally, just this endless erosion. Sometimes there's just these enormous meteor strikes and huge craters, but mostly it's just sand blowing over rocks, just little tiny things everywhere that just erode us. The the charge that I got, the, and, and I'm not talking about like a pink cloud kind of a high. I mean, just the fundamental um, grounding and, and, and rejuvenation that I received from all of you was so powerful to me and so deeply appreciated that I'm trying to make the case that we should be, we should be more willing to talk to people who we may not know, but who may be very close friends of ours. Indeed, man. That's that's what it is to be, you know, the ecclesia. You know, that's that's what it is to be. I'm about um, to learn something new again. Right? What's the ecclesia? <laughs> the ecclesia, the church, the body, right? Okay. And, and and it's it's really when it gets down, it's like the god the, the 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 body of governing affairs, particularly self-governing affairs. Um, when we talk about the ecclesia, um, church isn't some place that you go. Church is who you are. You know, it's like it's it's it, there's not supposed to be some and I'm getting to a point with this, believe it or not. Uh, it's not it's supposed to be a ritual or religion of this place that you go to fulfill some sort of moral or spiritual obligation. You are the church. And as the ecclesia, we're supposed to fellowship and this iron is supposed to sharpen iron. We're supposed to have that fellowship with each other. This isn't and, and whether it's moral support. Or financial support. This is a kind of thing that is, is supposed to be voluntary, supposed to come from the heart. Absolutely. You know, so when we talk about helping each other and pulling each other up, you know, pulling ourselves up from our bootstraps and stuff like that, we want to be able to help each other do that and do it freely. Like the Lord says, man, I give to you freely. I expect you to freely give. And when I say give freely, I'm not talking about this frivolous thing of, oh, I, I, I feel so good about myself because I freely give and stuff like this. No, I'm a soldier. And I give of myself freely. Nobody made me do this, right? I didn't exempt myself from royalty to not go to the front lines or anything like this. I gave of myself freely. I expect you to be able to do the same thing. And when people make institutions or they make a policy of where, you know, uh, the government can, can go and, and do this charitable acts for us, that's not freely given. We're not free to, free to give anymore. And it's, so it's not charity. It's not charity. And that makes no, it coercion. Yes. And it makes difficult for us to carry out that directive. And that's one of the reasons why it's so hard now. Um, you know, and we want to be able to, man, we should, we should be demanding that. Hey, allow us to be freely, to, to give freely. And even our, our morale, you know, gets, gets taxed by that to be able to do those things. It's making it hard for us to, to have each other back and lift each other up in these aspects too. And, uh, real quick, man, you, you talk, you, you spoke of fulfillment and, uh, you're right, man. We don't, we don't seek fulfillment and, and, and the numbers. It's, it's quality, you know, not quantity. Uh, it's, it's, the heartbreak of it is, is when we try to have this message that we think is is pretty, uh, it's got some good nooch in it, and it's and it's being blocked from people. That's that's a big part of the heartache. But we're not supposed to seek fulfillment in these things anyway. You know, it's like the it's like the Lord says. It seems weird that people are going to be they're going to be eating and drinking and getting married in these last days when this stuff really starts to go to crap. You know, people are going to be eating and drinking and, and marrying. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. 
But yeah, it is when people seek fulfillment in eating. When you're trying to fill the mm-hmm. void by just eating and consuming. Says the guy who's been eating donuts for the last exactly, week. Exactly, right? Right? And, and and I'm paying for it too, man, because I feel weird. <laughs> right? <laughs> the drinking, even getting in marriage. People be seeking fulfillment in their marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Looking for their spouse to complete them. You know, putting the burden of, of I need you to complete me. I, I need this codependency, this toxic codependency. Or perverting marriage. You know, seeking, trying to think that, oh, if I marry this person just because I love them, even though it's against the laws of nature, I'm going to find fulfillment in this. These things create a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. So all that kind of stuff, man, is, uh, you know, stuff that we're dealing with. And uh, we have to make sure that we maintain like like David, you know, like you you mentioned uh, uh, the whole whiny little, you know, B word thing. And David, man, he's got a whole book of that stuff. Psalms is, is all about his laments. But he knows that, hey, in order for me to carry on, man, I need strength beyond myself. Lord, I need you. John, you know, John in prison, John came to his moment of doubt, like, hey, um, this Jesus, you're the guy, right? You know, because I'm, I'm having a moment here, bro. You know, you're the guy, right? And and John didn't exactly get an answer that we would want. Oh, John, don't sweat it, man. I'm going to bust you out of prison and, <laughs> and everything is going to be all. No, yeah, John, no, John knew what the score was. He got the report back. Hey, the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk. I'm here doing what the prophecy said I would be doing. And John was like, I could die in peace now, man. Well, that's beautiful. There's two groups of people specifically I wanted to talk to today. Um, now, we record these shows on Thursday, and we've been recording them on Thursday since we've been doing them. Uh, as we record this right now, it's Thursday on November 11th, which is Veterans Day. Mm. Uh, a number of the comments that I got were from veterans. And and when a veteran tells me that he thinks I'm a soldier, mm. that is the highest possible compliment I can get. I'll get to the other group in a minute, but this one's specifically for veterans. This won't air on Veterans Day. won't be won't be ready in time, but it's recorded on Veterans Day. Especially after the debacle with Afghanistan and so on, there the 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 pressure on our veterans must be overwhelming. Uh, the the feelings that they must be going through, watching the things that they that they fought for. I I have a, a friend who's a veteran. He's a Vietnam veteran uh, fighter pilot. And uh, and whenever he sees these things going on, you know, all of the destruction and all of it, vaccination mandates and the whole thing, his first response is always the same. It's like, I, I risk my life for this, you know? Yeah. I, I, I risk my life for this. Yes, you risk your life for for the country. And what's going on with the government is not... The country. The country is the people that make up the country. The government has been better than it is now, and it might get worse than it is now. But whatever you did for your country, you didn't do for the government. You did for the country. And I'm here to tell you, as somebody who was feeling that uh, thousand-yard stare last week, that none of us would be here without the sacrifices that every one of our veterans made. And you don't have to be a combat veteran to do this. I learned this a long time ago. When you sign on the dotted line, that means that you no longer have the right to say, I don't feel like going over there. You're going to go where you're told. And if they put you someplace dangerous, that's what you are aware of when you make that, when you sign on that line. The number of, of suicides that veterans uh, suffer is, is, a, is a national disgrace. And 
I think that my experience having uh, been in a really bad place and then and feeling just how much better talking to people has made me feel is one of the messages I want to get out there today specifically for veterans. If you're one of those people who feels like uh, all of the things you sacrificed and all the friends you saw get killed or, or, or wounded, all the things you left overseas, some, some, some of you left friends overseas, some of you left arms or legs or eyes overseas, virtually all of you left your sense of uh, peace and security overseas and weren't able to bring that back. Uh, we owe you a tremendous debt, and not only are we willing to do what we can to repay that debt, we're eager. We are eager to repay it. And by not letting us help, you may think that you're not imposing on us, but what you're really doing is you're depriving us of, of a chance to, to pay you back for what you've done. You're actually taking something away from us. This is something that I had a hard time dealing with myself because many of us were raised with the same set of principles. Once, uh, uh, quite early in this process, uh, I had somebody write to me and, and say, uh, hey, Bill, I'm, I'm a big fan and I'm, I'm a dentist. And I know you've got, this is before I got the, the new teeth, I know you've been having some uh, dental problems. He said, uh, hey, I've got it. I'm a dentist. I have a practice in St. Louis. Or just get on a plane coming out, and I'll do all your teeth for you for free. And I and I went with my immediate knee jerk reaction, which is that is far too generous of a gift. I could never possibly accept a gift that 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 much money and that generous. Thank you so much for the offer. Thank you. I'm extremely grateful. But I just don't see any way I could accept that. And after that was over, a couple weeks later, I realized how badly I insulted that that person. And if you're, one of, if you're that person watching now, you have my most sincere apologies. It didn't come from a bad place. It came from the kind of place that many of us experience. I can't possibly accept something like that. I can't possibly accept that. It's way too generous. That, those are good people, and it comes from a good place. But your ability to soldier on, if you're a soldier, is depriving the rest of us from our need to do something to, to pay you back for the sacrifices that you've made. And whether you do it uh, in the comments section here at YouTube or whether you just go and find a support group or whatever, I know there are people listening to this right now who are feeling right on the edge as I did. That edge comes from isolation. It's real what you're feeling, but it's not everything out there. It's a lack of perspective. I know this feeling so well from my entire life. You find yourself in this hole and there's no way out of it. And all you can see is look up and see nothing but blackness of the pit that you're in all around you and that there's no way out of it. Well, there is a way out of it and things do get better and perspectives change. Sometimes you feel better, sometimes you feel worse. But if you're one of those people right now who, who feels like you don't want to ask for help or you're not comfortable or you don't know how or whatever, I would encourage you as a, as a friend uh, to find, a, find the courage to overcome that stoicism that we all admire so much and talk to some people because you will be amazed at what the power of friends helping can do. It's, it, it restoreth your soul mm -hmm. and, and you deserve it and you've earned it. And 
I wanted to get that first thing out of the way here on Veterans Day. Awesome, man. And, and uh, yeah, likewise, and when, we, when we think about uh, the, the, the pressures that we feel and uh, when this stuff really starts to get to us, um, as I shared with somebody who actually just contacted me about this, and the thing is, we're very aware of these folks, you know, people who, ha- who did make that signature. Uh, we're very aware of them. And that's one of the reasons why we're able to keep on going. Um, we, those, those are, um, aspects of inspiration, you know, and we draw from that. It's like, man, if these people, you know, we ain't going to punk out, man, we, we're going to go ahead and keep on doing what we're doing. We're not like, you know, getting shot at and leaving and, and having our limbs and maybe our lives taken from us in the capacity that we have. But we also understand that it's going to, if we don't hold the line, you know, it'll get to a point where you don't have to sign on a dotted line. The, the civilians will be on the front lines too. And uh, so we have to, you know, we've got to try to do our part. And it is heartbreaking, man, when, you know, I talk about this in my in my audio book, uh, A Solid Right Cross. When you have, what are we doing when you when we talk, but we can be so encouraging of people, you know, risking life and limb to defend our liberties, you know, and what are we doing here at home to make sure that that same stuff isn't happening here. So when they come back, say, hey, what 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 happened? You know, um, we can we can put the blame on the government, but at the same time, there's a lot of people who are giving the government this power to do that sort of stuff. You know, so there's enough blame to go around. You know, is there's some people who demand this kind of representation? It doesn't take most people. A minority of people can do a lot of damage. You know, there's a silent yeah. majority and there's the noisy minority. And um, you know, the thing is, we have to make sure that we have something eternal that we can trust in. Um, you know, because sometimes. You know, even our soldiers, man, they, 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 they may catch themselves. You know, I hear a lot. You know, they're like, man, what, what was this for? What, what, what did we do this for? They go, they go over and, and, and um, for lack of a better word, you know, that, that, that cynicism, that cynicism can, can take over and it'd be like, man, there's no God here. You know, what, what, what's the point of believing? What kind of God would allow this to happen? And, and, and I don't, if, there, if there's a God, what's up with this? And I say to you, surely, oh, there's definitely a God because you're there. That, that goodness that's in your heart to go over there and stand in the face of oppression, that goodness that had you sign on the dotted line, that goodness didn't come from you. That goodness came through you and you put it to work. We have that sovereign choice to be able to do that. But the goodness doesn't come from us. It comes through us. So remember that, you know, that, that these things, that there's a goodness in us that is eternal, right? And it's going to beat all of this. You know, the Lord is going to flash pasteurize the universe, all right. It's going to be all good. It's, 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 it's in the word before we even got before we even understood that there was something subatomic. The word of God already talked about. It. I said, look, man, I'm going to melt this down to the elemental level. Right. So he didn't already said it. So this kind of stuff. And God is not going to have us do anything that he wouldn't allow to happen to himself. You know, or anything that we can't take, it, it, can't, it, it won't won't give us more than we can take. Right. So as God understands that there's going to be people who are going to have to give their lives to defend what he blessed us with. And God's in and, and, and his obedience, he demonstrated obedience and loyalty. It's like, well, how can he demonstrate obedience and loyalty? Who's he gonna be loyal to? Who's he gonna be obedient to? He's God. What's above him to be authority to, to be authoritative? God's like, I'll, I'll do you one better. I will come in the person of my son to show you obedience, to show you absolute faith, to, to die for the law for that you have crossed. So I will not send, I will not expect you to give your life to defend the liberty that I authored without giving up my blood myself. 
You know, so in remembering that, I remember the one who the, the soldier that is is the model. And anybody, you know, who does that where he said he says true love is giving up, you know, giving up your life for your friend. You know, love is demonstrating giving up your life for a friend. And the Lord himself said, I'll demonstrate that. And anybody who models after that, you got our respect for the freedom that he gave, that he authored. So I would say uh, before we move on, um, if you are a veteran who's going through some rough times, uh, I would I would simply suggest this just because of the power of what it did for me. Uh, when you finish watching it or just pause the video right now and go to the comment section wherever you're watching this and just say, hey, I'm a U.S. vet and I'm not having a good day. That's all you have to write. Mm -hmm. You've got a you've got an avatar there. It's not your name. You don't have to give out your address. You don't have to you don't have to say anything other than that. Just say that. Just write that. I'm having a, I'm I'm a I'm a U.S. vet and I'm having a bad day. That's not a terribly big admission for a tough guy like you to make. <laughs> Watch the reaction mm -hmm. of 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 the people who will come and and immediately gather around you and and help lift you up, because we owe you. And we not only want a chance to help you in return, we deserve it. And, uh, and so just write that and be amazed. Prepare to be amazed. Uh, the second group of people I'd like to talk about today, because if you look, so many conservatives, conservatives are, every study proves this, they're just so much happier than, than uh, progressives. So just everywhere you look on every subject, they're just just better people. I know that sounds prideful and arrogant, but it's true. And and I know it's true because I remember when we were doing a right angle show several uh, years ago now, when it looked like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was was you know on death's door. Before we actually started recording the pre-stage show, we all agreed we would talk about this. And Stephen Scott and I said almost simultaneously, "Look, I completely disagree with her policies. I think she's been tremendously dangerous, but I I don't want her to die. I hope she's going to be fine." Gavin Newsom had a tremendously adverse reaction to the vaccine that he is mandating on people. Mm. He is mandating it on people. He took a, a dose of the vaccine and apparently got really, really sick from it. And in my brain, I thought, wow, politically, that would be something we'd get a lot of miles out of. The guy who's forcing people by law to take the vaccine died of the vaccine, not of the virus, of the vaccine. Politically, what a, what a, what a weapon that would be. And the second I had that thought, I, I didn't even have to chastise myself. I don't want Gavin Newsom to die from this. I, I don't. I want him to stop. I want him to stop being a tyrant, mm -hmm. but I don't want him to die. But when you see somebody like Joe Rogan or, or now with, um, with uh, the quarterback for the, for the Packers or, 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 or Trump or Rush or, or whoever, I hope they die. I hope they die. I hope they die. No, we're, we're not like that. So write that down. I'm a, I'm a vet. I'm having a bad day. The other group of people I wanted to talk to quickly are people who may be in the middle of uh, real depression or addiction, usually both. For people, for people who have not been through clinical depression or addiction, both of those conditions are inconceivable. And the reason for that is because whether you realized it or not, if you're not an addict or, or, or clinically depressed, chances are very good you had a you had a pretty good upright uh, pretty good um, upbringing. I'm not saying it was model, and I'm not saying it was Superman. Or I'm not saying it was Leave It to Beaver, 
But on some level, your parents put into you some core of self-reliance, some belief that, that if things were to go bad, you were not going to hit the ground, that you had parents there to catch you if you were falling. And when people who don't suffer from these things look at an addict destroying his life in front of him, they want to say, well, just stop doing that or just cheer up. And it's not coming from a bad place. It's coming from a very honest place. Just stop feeling so badly. As a person who's been on the other side of that, uh, dynamic. Uh, that doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because addicts and people with severe depression don't have that core. They don't have it. For, for people who are, who are raised with, without enough uh, parental love and attention at an early age, we find that we are afraid that we are going to not just crash, we're going to crash and burn. And so our lives are lived in a constant state of fear and addiction is just a way to medicate ourselves out of this misery that we find ourselves in all the time. Uh, if you're one of those people, I would advise you as strongly as I can to do what I just advised the veterans to do. And there's a significant amount of overlap between these two circles, by the way. Uh, Depression and addiction are, are driven by isolation, and they're driven by the belief that things are bad and will not get better. One of the things that's most destructive about addiction is that you continue to do things, and you keep making the same mistake again and again and again, and after a while, you become convinced that you're not capable of not making this mistake. And to some degree, you're right about, about that in terms of the power of addiction. But there are, again, so many ways to get help out there. And I cannot recommend a 12-step program highly enough. Uh, people have looked at the 12-step at the programs and looked at the, you know, how many people are actually uh, cured and so on. I don't think that's got anything to do with it. Uh, speaking as a person who's been through just tremendous isolation and loneliness, the fact that there are people out there right now who, who are exactly the same as you are and who, as I mentioned earlier, are not only willing but eager to help you only because the people that help them don't need their help anymore. You have to pay it forward. Uh, if you're feeling that kind of isolation and loneliness, Find a 12-step program of any kind, because the most important thing right now is for you to be not in the company of people who tell you, what's the matter with you? Cheer up. To be in the company of other people who are saying, I took my cat's uh, pain medicine yesterday. Uh, I had uh, a roommate uh, for a while there who was almost violently angry with me. Because I had, uh, I had bought um, a bottle of mouthwash, like Scope or something like that. And, and he was really angry with me. And he, and he was angry with me because Scope is, I don't know, some percentage alcohol, 6%. He said, you're, you're endangering uh, my sobriety. Uh, now that there's this thing in the house, I have to constantly think about whether I want to go in there and get drunk on a bottle of scope. Okay. So, uh, as somebody who has been through some very dark places, I can tell you it gets better, and you have to hang on. And 
you have to ask for help. And really, that's all you have to do is you just have to get yourself in front of the help. If you can, if you can crawl out of that ditch just far enough to, to reach somebody's hand, then they will pull you out and they'll do most of the heavy lifting after that. But uh, Zoe, you have such a strong grounding and, and your religion provides so much strength for you. Uh, I think by now people know how you feel about that. What would you say to people who don't have a, a religious uh, belief? And, 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 and to be perfectly honest with you, people who not only don't have one, but who are not inclined to get one, at least at the moment anyway. Um, and, and my, my response to that, and I don't, I don't want to sound you know, contentious <clears throat> when I say this, the thing that I um, I've never I've never gone to a religion. I, I'm not I'm not a religious person. Um, the Lord Himself said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me." He didn't say religion is the way. Uh, he didn't tell us to build one. Uh, I know a lot of people they look at the scriptures and they say that you know Peter you know was supposed to build this. No, that's they got to look at it again. That's not what the Lord said. And interestingly enough, that this person Peter that they see as uh, you know a papacy or something like that. Not too long after that, the Lord called him Satan. So I don't know if you want to build a religion on somebody that the Lord called they Satan. Didn't 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 they didn't Jesus say you are the rock upon which I will build this church? Uh, how it works? If you look at it, it says. I'm not arguing with you. I'm saying that even even somebody who is that important is flawed, right? And 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 weak. And the, but the thing is, it's on this rock. I, I ah. will build my church, right? So it's not it's not a church for us to build. It's not ours. It's not a system or anything like that. He says, I will build my church, and the church is not an institution. The church is not brick and mortar. It's us, right? And this faith that Peter had. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to him, but my father in heaven did. Like I said, it comes through us. It's something that we just simply make a choice to accept. So in that, it's not about a religion. I don't follow religion. I follow Jesus. I go to his word. Anything I base, any, any, any sort of um, method that anybody would want to approach, right? I don't, I'm not downplaying any sort of method, but have a filter for it have a foundation for it. There has to be, we speak of an eternal truth. There is one. There's no person who can provide an eternal truth. It has to actually come from some, we're not eternal people, right? We're given that, right? We can accept that, we're given that, but we don't create eternity ourselves. That was already here before us, it's gonna be here long after us. It has to be something that's already there. And this eternal aspect is going to have to give a report of himself. We can't assume to be like we talk about a judgment or how these things are gonna go. How are we going to be judged by something we don't know? That wouldn't be justice. And God doesn't play that. Look, I'm fair. I told you exactly who I am. I'm not going to assume to come and make a judgment on you without you not knowing my law and who I am. So even in how we judge our daily affairs, how we make judgments about how we're going to conduct ourselves and, 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 and perform throughout the day, how we're going to have a perspective about things, whether we're going to be given in to uh, depression and man, you know, when you wake up in the morning and it's just like, what is the point of all this? It's like, it's a, it's like a feeling, man. It's just like, you get it. And it's, it's like, when you try to yeah. get up, man, it's like a hand that's just holding you down. Right. Now, for real clinical depression, I've often described it as like standing on a, on a cliff by the sea and seeing the storm coming in. And it's like, okay, this is going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be a bad couple of days. But after you go through it enough, you realize there is something on the other side of the storm. Just, you just have to ride it out. Absolutely. Hey, that's, that's, that's the Lord in the boat. You know, that's the Lord in the boat right there when they're like, hey, man, we're in a serious storm right now. Jesus, what's up? Can, can you wake up, please? And Jesus is like, all right, fine. I, I like the way one pastor put it. He says, look, man, I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to go outside 
And I'm going to tell this storm to shut up because it's easier to calm this storm down than it is to calm you down. Right. Oh, you guys, brilliant. you guys yeah. are hysterical. What's up? You yeah. know? So, you know, the Lord knows what it's like, you know, to be in the middle of that storm. Look, man, I command the storms. I'm the guy who tells the storm to, hey, chill out, come over here and blow up my soup to calm it, to cool it down. All right. I'm that guy. So we trust in him. I trust in him, you know, because like I said, lean not on the word says, lean not on your own understanding, trust in God in God. We trust, you know, we're looking for this, this thing that we can go to anybody, anybody can betray us, you know, and, and not even meaning to right? the Lord doesn't. And I'm not saying that, oh, you got to be suspicious, but, but like, let me put it like this, just like uh, the person that you were going through the therapy with, he felt betrayed by you, you know, because you brought some scope, you know what I'm saying? So, but we're supposed to be the people, we're supposed to be sponsoring each other, you know, they're, they're lifting each other, but even the very people not even meaning to, and that's not, that was not their intention at all. It's like, man, I feel betrayed by you. But mm-hmm. even with the Lord though, there is nothing that the Lord Nobody can make any justifiable indictment against the Lord where he is betrayed and he knows everything that we're going through. And as I've examined the word, I'm like, like I've said before, as or as the saying goes, uh, you don't read the Bible. The Bible reads you. You start mm-hmm. looking at it and you start squaring it. It's like, man, it's, it's, you just have to trust. Just like with life, you're going through it. It's like, man, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening? And then you get on the other side of it, just like you said. And it's like, oh, okay, okay. Now I understand why I had to go through that. It's like a curriculum, you know, like when you're going through a, a, a college curriculum or, or whether it, or, or any sort of thing that you're trying you to have learn. You go through the steps in order. There's no sense in, in studying math four when you haven't passed math one yet. Yeah, you got to have these prerequisites, right? Well, the, the word of God is going to start with these suppositions that are like really kind of hard to get around. Say, man, I don't understand why I should believe this. Well, God's like, hey, well, you want to read a manual for anything else? You want a manual for life? Here it is. I'm the author of life. Read it, right? So you start reading it, and then it starts to make sense, right? Not because of some sort of uh, power of suggestion or anything like that. You start to see these things in nature. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. And God uses a lot of nature to point out how this stuff plays out. And you're like, nothing truly is new under the sun. You know, he knows us. You know, and that kind of stuff where it's like when you're looking for somebody who who knows you, man, is if so because I'm a really introverted, introverted guy, Bill. I mean, I may yammer a lot, but I'm a very introverted guy. No, I am know, too, but strangely know? enough, yeah. And but that feeling <clears throat> that not just the feeling, man, but the, this what resonates in your soul, what registers, it registers with you on a certain level. That's you look at it and it's like, this guy knows me. He knows me. And this guy can fix, I can't fix this. I can't fix this, nobody can fix this. But we can have the kind of fellowship where I can actually get the essentials from the fellowship that we're supposed to have. And that iron sharpening iron, I have something to base this on to where I know and can discern what is truth to absorb and to to reject what is not truth and let the Lord, who is the builder, there's a reason why he's a carpenter, okay? <laughs> he's the builder. He builds this in me. And that's 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 my go-to. Yep. Fellowship is the word. So mm-hmm. I'll just close this by speaking to an even smaller audience of this audience. Um, <clears throat> uh, if, you, if you're a person who doesn't believe in God or any of this stuff, that's okay. That's completely fine. I was I was right there with you. And and it's not required for you to get this process going. 
there's a lot of uh, a lot of very clever sayings in aviation because one of the things about aviation that I like the most is that you don't get to make super big mistakes and live to tell about it. One of the things that's a common thing to say in aviation is if you get yourself killed flying into instrument conditions, in other words, if you're not an instrument-rated pilot and you decide to go out there and the weather gets worse and you decide to keep on going and all of a sudden you can't see anything and you spiral into the ground, you fly into a mountain. Pilots say that if you get killed uh, flying into instrument conditions, then your funeral is going to be held on a sunny day. It took me a second or two to figure out what that means. And what that means is if you're killed flying into uh, cloudy conditions, in the time it's going to take for your funeral, two or three days, the front that has caused those crowsy conditions are going to be gone. It's going to be a sunny day when they bury you. I know that doesn't sound terribly cheerful, but the reason I'm bringing that up now is to say that these things do come to an end. There is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is something brighter than where you may be right now. Uh, the 12-step programs are, are have a first step, and that the step is the recognition that there is a higher power is the term they use. Now, a lot of people who get into these 12-step programs will say, I, have a, I believe in a higher power, and I believe that higher power is God. Okay, that's fine. But they don't say God. They say higher power. And I didn't believe in God at the time. And uh, when somebody said to me, well, what about your higher power? I said, I just don't believe it. I don't believe in it. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't buy any of it. What they said to me was, okay, well, it's called a higher power for a reason. Uh, is there anything in the world more powerful than you, Bill? Now, that kind of got me where I lived, you know. Yes, there are many things in the world more powerful than me. Name one of them, Bill. Oh, I don't know. Waves coming ashore on the Atlantic, I'm sure, are more powerful than I am. And the person said, well, that can be your higher power for now. When you get into these situations, it's because you have, to, you have come to the belief that you are all alone, that everything is dependent on you. You know you're broken, and you know you're flawed, and you know you keep making the same mistakes. And that's where this hopelessness comes from, the sense of, of it again and again and again and again and again. Okay, if, if, if the whole Jesus thing and the whole religious thing isn't working for you, that's okay. Uh, it's not required to get in the door that you need to get into. And if it turns out that you're um, having a bad day, uh, slightly different message than from the veterans, just get in the comment section and say, I'm feeling a little blue. I'm not having a good day. Watch what happens. Watch the reaction. And understand that that uh, fellowship, that, that, that sense of community of people who feel the same way as we do about all these things, is there, and you need to connect to it. And if you can connect to it, you can get out of this. And I'm speaking from experience here. I lead, I lead a life now that I could never have imagined possible for the two or three decades of my life when I was in those dark and lonely and desperate places. But two things happened for me. Number one, I didn't give up. That just means you're miserable forever. I not only didn't give up, I finally got to the point where I was hurting badly enough to do something about it. Finally got to the point where I just said, nothing is going to be worse than this. If somebody tells me they can help me feel better, I remember this thought exactly. By going out to a golf course in the middle of the night, making myself completely naked, painting myself blue and shaking a stick over my head, if they tell me that'll help, then that's what I'll do. That's how, that's how desperate I am to get out of this misery. This is a challenge for you right now. If you're watching this right now and you feel that way, it's, this, is why you're, 
this is why you're watching the show, and this is why I'm saying this. Leave a comment in the comment section. Watch what happens. Find a 12-step program near you and go. And you will find the power of fellowship. It's not condescension. It's not a lack of understanding. On the contrary, it is an acutely felt understanding of exactly where you are. And you will feel different the second you realize that you're not alone in exactly how miserable you feel. The moment that I remember the most was uh, was after two meetings of just sitting there just with my feet burning into the linoleum of the floor, so furious that I was there, not seeing any reason why I was there. Uh, I remember in the middle of a third meeting, a guy across the room stood up and said, hi, my name is Roy, uh, and I'm an addict. And he was probably in the mid-40s. I was probably about 26. He was in his mid to late 40s black fellow uh, electrician. And he got up. And he told my life story. And I just said, okay, well, if he's going through this, then I'm not alone. And if I'm not alone, and if all these people are here to help, then maybe there's some hope after all. And hope's what we're selling here, gang. Uh, when I was out of hope last week, uh, the troops rallied uh, and, and bucked me right up. And in return for that, out of gratitude, and a sense of obligation, I wanted to spend a show trying to reach those of you who may be in a very bad spot, who need some help, and the help is not only available, it's, it's chomping at the bit, it's straining at the leash. That's the kind of quality of the people we have here. Uh, many of those people became members of BillWhittle.com in order to bring Alfonso Rachel into the mix. Uh, for those of you who are, who are renewing, we're very grateful for all of you, and the people who've been keeping us going for the beginning, we're especially grateful to you as well. So on behalf of all of these fine people, I'm Bill Whittle with my friend Alfonso Rachel. You're not alone out there. Uh, we all have bad days, and all you have to do is hang on, and you have to just ask for it. Just a tiny little bit of help, just, just a little tiny bit, and then um, we'll do the rest for you. That'll do it for this edition of The Virtue Signal, made possible by the members of BillWhittle.com. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.